0: What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Mike Gourmi on the line. He has had a pretty significant transformation and he just he's just got a cool online presence on social media and whatnot. Got an interesting story to tell. So without further ado. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Glad to be here with you today. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you. So before we start recording you mentioned that you are from Rhode Island man I don't know anybody else that lives in Rhode Island what is it like living in Rhode Island
1: Uh well we're the smallest state in the country uh you can you can drive uh from the tip of one end of the state to the other in less than an hour so it's really wow. where yeah you know everyone so if if you did know someone from the state I would probably know them um it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's it's rare that you don't, you don't run into people that you know like no matter where you go like I I go to California a lot and I'm always running into people like, oh, do you know this person and you know that person and you've been to this place? And I'm like, yes, all of it. Yes to all of it. I know all of them. I mean, we're not like Are you a, like
0: the only ketogenic guy in the entire state of Rhode Island or is there a keto population there?
1: Well, it's funny uh, because it seemed like for a while I felt like I was an island alone by myself. And then now mm-hmm. more and more people are popping up and then more people are popping up and saying they didn't know there was anyone else around And I'm like, how are we so isolated? We all live within 20 minutes of each other. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so so there's a lot of different people uh, popping up um, in the Instagram space. Is really primarily where I'm seeing a lot of Rhode Island people show up. But I, I've got a lot of people that I've influenced personally, um, like connected through Facebook, that have started kind of trying to to dip their feet into the keto pool. And and then I think I was trying to tell you there's a restaurant uh, that they're big into like locally sourced ingredients and and kind of doing these exploring different. Menu options. They've had a paleo menu for a couple years. That's actually pretty solid. And the the chef owner decided she wanted to do keto for a month to give it a test, and also plan to introduce some keto items to their menu. So I actually connected with her, and we had some good discussions about that. So it's nice to see like people, and it's so like on their menu, it actually will say what items are keto, and they list the the carb counts and the 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 protein and fat, so you can you can plan accordingly. So. It's nice to see it, it becoming a little more proliferated in this, this small area because we are a tiny state. But we even, it was someone, another another person I know from Instagram planned to meetup up um, in the fall of, of lo- the winter of last year. And there was 15, 20 people that showed up. So, you know, there's 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 a good sized group growing in this area, I think.
0: That's cool, man. That's cool. It's It's cool to see that, you know, people just recognize that they've got their own kind of little thing going on to kind of bond and use it as a as a bonding point. That's that's pretty interesting. Definitely, definitely. Um so talk a little bit about about your story specifically. Yeah. I think um <laughs> you got a pretty interesting background and yeah, I feel like you are very, you know, attached and fond of keto because it's literally turned your whole life around. Definitely.
1: So I I've always been overweight. Like it's been something that's been a part of my life since I was a small child. And not just overweight, but uh, very overweight from the very, almost the very beginning. Um, And I I had those periods throughout my life when I would diet and be put on diets by my family. And traditionally, you know, most of the time during my youth, that was Weight Watchers because that was always the big thing. Um, So it was always, you know, calorie counting and frozen meals and all of that. Um, And as I became an adult, I got bigger and bigger. And my heaviest, I was was 500. And I was in the 500s for probably five or six years. and, and how tall are you? I'm 511, 511. So I was big. <laughs> um, yeah. And probably I would say I had actually uh, so it's, it's funny. like when I when I frame, frame my story of coming, you know my weight loss from 540 pounds, initially it wasn't even intentionally a diet or anything along those lines. It was poverty. Um, it was It was the late 2000s when the big recession hit the United States. And I had moved cross country, mm-hmm. and the job I thought I was going to get when I was there didn't happen. I was out of work. I was living far away and like trying to make things happen. And it's, it's amazing that when you don't have money for food, you can't eat the food. Um, you know how that adds up. <laughs> but so, mm-hmm. I, so my weight started to come down. And as soon as I was working again and, and resettled in my life, my weight started going back, right back up again pretty quickly. And I, I stayed in the high 400s for a while. Um, in 2012 or so, I decided I needed I wanted to do something about it. And I had discovered at that point paleo and was doing more of a low carb paleo. And by 2013, by May of 2013, I had gotten down to 210 pounds. Um, so I lost a significant amount of weight and in my head thought I had fixed everything and really, hadn't done nearly any of the work I really needed to do. I, I was great at, at controlling my food and, and doing the exercises I needed to do, but hadn't done any of the work on the mental side of things. So I was still living with this constant addiction to food, this obsession with food, and it ruled my life still, even when I was was approaching that goal weight. And to the point that I, I had a cheat meal planned, that turned into a cheat weekend. That turned into a cheat week. That turned into a, a cheat summer, um, and I by that was it was May first of 2013 that I was 210 pounds on the scale, and by the the first week of October of 2013 I was back up to 480 pounds. Um, yeah, um, that's crazy, man. It's insane. It, and the funny thing is, like, the more I talk about it, like, the more I, I I I've said this to some other people. Like, I I'm not sure how I survived that because it was probably one of the we talk about extreme athletes like that was probably one of the most extreme physical changes i think almost any human being could have gone through and like how my body survived i you know i'm thankful you know to to you know higher powers for that because i did survive um and i i i was still kind of struggling with this idea of having failed so publicly. And I had had like a Facebook group that had gotten pretty popular when I was losing weight then. and was big in some forums and uh, I basically disappeared from the internet because I was ashamed and embarrassed and it all went away. I literally felt like I blinked and I had, you know, regained all the weight and put my life right back where it was before and started getting into that mindset of, well, this is, must be how I'm supposed to be. And this is what my life was meant to be. And I, I wallowed in that for a while, um, pretty pretty you know sadly wallowed in that for a
0: while i'm, I'm gonna get a little more background for you man when you were doing that, that that's when you were following a mostly a, a paleo like a low-carb paleo approach mm-hmm. when you would have your cheat meals were they still paleo or were they just like you know were they paleo in surplus or was it just like just any food in general
1: well that was like what i would try to con at first the first times i started to introduce cheat meals it was staying strict paleo and just eating more um And then Mm -hmm. I eventually started getting into the, well, this product is kind of paleo, you know, it's got honey in it, so it's not sugar, so it's paleo. And, you know, the definition Mm -hmm. of paleo can include a lot of things, you know, the same way now the definition of keto can include a lot of foods, but um, I I allowed myself kind of to go off the rails and um, I very quickly when I, when that, when things spiraled out of control, I went from having a paleo-esque cheat meal to I stopped, you know, two hours after that, I was at in the McDonald's drive through, like I, I let those floodgates open, it, I went right off. Um, so I went from eating. And it really I also, you know, I feel like I was not, I, I was just trying to restrict my food as much as possible at that point, because I didn't really have great appetite control. So I was having to control it more just by numbers. And I think I had probably at that point, my, my calories are so low and my carbohydrates are so low that I went right back to like full-on binging on carbohydrates. and my body just took that as an opportunity to like balloon, literally, literally balloon.
0: When, when did you like, how old were you when you recognized that there may be an issue here?
1: Um, with my weight in general or?
0: Yeah, and you like your relationship with food and your weight and just kind of. The lifestyle
1: i I would say i mean i was pretty aware of it teenager that that i shouldn't like i mean i was 350 pounds when i was 16. um i knew that that wasn't necessarily normal because especially the age i'm in my 40s now um so back Hmm. then there weren't a lot of 350 pounds 16 year olds i was the only one in my high school um whereas like now if you were to go into a high school you'd probably see several you know sadly the way way things are but I, I think I knew that I was on the outside, but I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. I felt kind of powerless over it. And by the time I was in college, I knew there were things, I, I would waver between this mindset of this is how I'm meant to be to I need to do something. And I never stayed in one mindset long enough to really do the, the mental work I needed to, if that makes any sense at all. What,
0: what did, uh? yeah, yeah, no, I definitely want to dive into some of the mindset, but I'm I'm curious, man. Like, what what does a typical day of eating back then look like? Like, how how can you consume that 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 amount of food? What kind of foods were you eating before you ever even ventured into paleo?
1: Oh yeah. Um. So back when I was just you know generally in the 500 pound range, um, it it was funny because I would usually most days not really eat breakfast. Um, I would start my day with like a lunch that was probably fast food. Um. Or something I ordered. I didn't go out a lot when I was that size, and I kind of built my world to enable the the behavior to stay that size. Because it's not—I mean, that's the one thing I, I think I've said to some of my friends before. Like, it's not easy to stay 540 pounds. Like, if you're living a, a normal life, mm-hmm. it's hard to stay 540 pounds and go out and do your shopping and and you know go out and see people and be social and all of those things. You start to to shrink your. The bigger you get, the more you shrink your world to enable that behavior. Mm -hmm. And I was a great, I'm a pretty good cook. Now I was a great cook then. And I was great at cooking myself, um, huge meals for dinner. So I would have like a, a giant fast food lunch, like a fast field, fast food meal for me was probably three or four big Macs, two or three large fries, chicken nuggets, a couple of shakes, some apple pies. Um, and that was like a regular fast food meal for me, not like a binge. Um, I mean, I remember once I ate eight it was like a daily food. occurrence. <laughs> oh, yeah. Reg- yeah. And, uh, that summer that I regained all the weight, I was go. I was getting fast food probably three times a day, two or three times a day. Easy. Um, if I skipped Man. going to the-, yeah, the Burger King right near my office, I was going there for lunch almost every day or an afternoon snack every day. And if I skipped, the manager would ask what happened. Like I get to the point that they recognize my truck coming into the drive through. And they they missed me if I wasn't there, probably because I affected their bottom line financially if I wasn't there with the amount of money I was spending, (laughs) literally. But I mean, I also like... Did you have
0: like extreme digestion issues when you were eating that much fast food?
1: See, and that's the funny thing is like, I I will say um, I probably used the bathroom a lot, but it was never like an upset stomach or discomfort or anything like that for me, really. It was, um, I could... I could put food away. Like I remember there were a couple Thanksgivings where I had to work the holiday for the job that I was doing like where I had to just kind of be around the living area that I was in. And so I made like my own Thanksgiving dinner and made like a small turkey and all the side dishes and a couple of pies and homemade bread and I would eat it all over the night. And it probably was enough food for like 8 to 10 people. Uh, and I would just put it away. And I could put it away and I never had I wouldn't wake up sick the next day. I would, if anything, I would wake up hungry the next day.
0: Man, I mean, if, do you have any idea what kind of calories you were putting away in a twenty-four hour period?
1: Well, it's funny because um, with John, John Shane, the keto road, he and I figured it out once. And uh, once I got it up around like we were, and we were just putting in like a regular day, like I wasn't even trying to be like a, one of my more extreme days, and it topped twenty thousand calories, easy, easy. Um, Dang. Yeah, and I, and honestly, it was. When I guesstimated it to people, I would say, you know, I, oh yeah, I probably was eating like 10,000 calories, like, and people would still kind of be flabbergasted by that. And then when I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with the app on my phone and I'm entering the food and I'm like, I'm remembering some very specific days and I'm entering the food and I'm like, wow, okay. We're still going up. Okay. Okay. Just crested 20,000 and I'm not done yet. Okay. Where, and then it starts to become fear because you're like, where is this going? Like, where was I? What was I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing, like, look, looking back the eyes, you look back on it with now versus the eyes you had when you were in that moment, like, in those moments, all I cared about was the food, like, all I cared about was the experience of the eating, like, all I cared about was getting more. And now I look back, and I'm like, wow, like, I, I, I very openly will say, I I believe I was I was killing myself with food, and I'm not sure how I didn't. I I think it was, you know, it's a slower suicide than than someone putting a gun in their mouth. But I still think when you're living that big and you're indulging those those appetites without breaks on, you know, you're doing something very similar. And it's funny because when I post that on on any Instagram post, I usually get flagged as a possible, you know, self-harm risk. And I get an email from Instagram asking if I'm okay. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about 10, 12 years ago. Like, don't worry.
0: Is is there any like a lot of people? you know, escape to food like that because they're, they're trying to, you know, break free of some kind of emotional drain on their lives. Was there anything like that going on in your life that was just burdening you so that you turned to the food or was it just like just your normal day? There's no particular thing that you were trying to escape from.
1: Well, that's the, the funny thing for me is like, I always would tell people like, even at my heaviest, I'm not an emotional eater. I'm not, I'm definitely not an emotional eater. I don't eat when I'm, you know, happy. I don't eat when I'm sad. You know, I don't know why, you know, stop trying to put this label on me. And then what I realized was, as I've gone through with specifically the journey this time, my, my keto journey, um, as I've been kind of trying to work more on mindset and my emotions and where things go, I've realized that I was always an emotional eater. I, I just kept myself numb all the time with food. Like there was, mm-hmm. it wasn't one specific emotional piece. It was, that was how I coped with everything in life. So it wasn't just this one specific thing happened and I was running from it it was I was running from everything, like everything I can think about, like, I think um, most facets of life, like even just opportunity and, and potential and all of those things, like I I turned to food instead of, you know, putting myself out there and taking risks and things along those lines. Like, I think I used it as a cover for almost anything you could you could think of. like, if you were to, we were to create a checklist right now and say, did you eat to get away from this? Did you eat to deal with this? I would, I would say almost yes to almost everything because I was eating constantly. Um, it was never, there was never a want for food in my life because I always kept it around. I always made sure it was there.
0: I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of things that happen over the course of 24 hours that, you know, somebody of that size goes through that people that have never been that big don't even like it never even crosses their mind. Like some of the simple things that, that we do and take for granted, you know, becomes like a huge, almost insurmountable obstacle for someone of that size. What are what are some things in particular that really stuck out to you that people that are listening to this that have never been that size would probably never even think twice about?
1: Definitely, definitely. I think the one that everyone goes right to um, is is the bathroom. And just not in like using using toilets, cleaning yourself, taking showers, taking baths, all of that hygiene becomes incredibly important because obviously when you're that size you're you're gonna deal with clean, cleanliness issues and it becomes more and more challenging so I at my heaviest was was using physical implements to help me clean myself in the bathroom um, I had I had plastic spoons that I would wrap in toilet paper you know not to, to throw too much information out there to people but reach becomes an issue I, I remember as a kid watching a talk show um, dick Dick Gregory, the, the weight loss guru from back in the 70s and 80s. Um, he was an actor, an activist, mm-hmm. and then a weight loss guru. And he once used the phrase, arms too short to box with God. And I had never heard that before. And I eventually learned what it meant. Um, it means your, your arms aren't long enough to reach around your body. Like It starts to become impossible for you to reach every part of your body. So just getting dressed and mm-hmm. taking and, – and you can take a shower – And by the time you get out of the shower and dry yourself off and sit down to get dressed, you're sweating as much as you were before you got into the shower. Um, I think people don't think about and I think chairs, we all think about chairs with arms. We think about like seating and things along those lines. But being able to fit into a bathroom space out in public is a big, big deal. And being able to maneuver yourself in that space. And so there were times where I knew that I was going to a place where if I had to go to the bathroom, I would have to leave or I just wouldn't go because I knew that I would not be able to, you know, be able to take care of myself there. Um, I, I think about fitting into a car. I mean, at several points in my life, I outgrew vehicles. Um, when I was in the, in the mid two thousands, um, I, uh, when I was first kind of getting over 500 pounds, I actually had a chair, the front seat of a car moved and reattached so that I could fit in my vehicle better. Um, and then more recently, uh, two and two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, I had a vehicle that I just was outgrowing. The, the The seat couldn't be moved. There was no, it was a, a small pickup with no cab, a Dodge Dakota. And it was mm-hmm. to the point that I realized driving that it was getting dangerous for me to drive the truck because turning the steering wheel was getting almost impossible because of how tightly packed into the vehicle I was. Um so I started looking for another car and and that's that to me speaks volumes to the mindset I was living because I, instead of thinking you need to do something about your weight, I thought I need a bigger car. So I think like that kind of reflected how it kind of played out in other levels of my life. And like, there's a ton of little things like that. Like even, and this is also, I, I think one of the big ironies of getting that big is I eventually got too big to grocery shop. Uh, I couldn't walk around a grocery store the grocery stores nearest me didn't have great carts to use or anything along those lines, like in terms of the mobility scooters and that kind of thing. So I started exclusively mm-hmm. getting my groceries delivered by a delivery service from the local market. Um so if I couldn't if if I couldn't get something delivered, I wasn't getting it. I mean luckily this was around the time that like Amazon Prime was starting and things along those lines. And so I was able to live my life as long as I I had to you have to start giving a lot of mental space in your head to planning, so that if there's anything you might need, you have it because you can't just run out and get it. Like you just physically there. I mean, there were times where I was sick and needed like cold medicine. And I, I would know that I'd have to go to the store because there was no way I could get it delivered in time. And I really needed it. And I would pick a specific store where I knew I could walk the shortest distance from the front door of the store to the cold medicine to the register. And I remember one time, Getting in line with the cold medicine and the cough drops and the line being too long and having to put it down and go back to my car and wait until everyone left the store and then go back in.
0: Because it was hard to stand there in line for that long?
1: It was too it was too hard to stand. The physical pain of standing. Like at that when I was 540 pounds, I could barely stand for five minutes. I could barely walk 25, 50 feet without having to rest. Wow. I I drove I drove my car everywhere. I lived and worked in the residence halls in the dorms of a college. And I was in, you know, one of parts of my job was doing rounds of of all the buildings. And I would drive from the front door to the front door of every building. And the campus police knew I was going to be pulling up onto like walkways and stuff in my car, because if I parked in a parking spot, I couldn't get to the front
0: of the building physically. What what, what were people like in your life? Like, what were the relationships like? Were people understanding, supportive, enabling, or like trying to Mm. get you to do something else?
1: Well, it's, it's funny, I I think, I, I think most kind of people close to me didn't know what to do. Um, so I think family and friends, for the most part, just saw because I, I put on I, I was the king of being the happy fat guy, you know, mm-hmm. that there was nothing bothering me, I didn't let anyone know there was anything wrong that I had any challenges. So whenever they saw me, I was smiling and laughing and telling jokes and, and doing that really well. So I, I think that kind of created this like, I think it gives people an out to say, okay, you know, yeah, there's clearly something going on, but he's, he seems like he's happy. So Mm -hmm. what are we going to do? You know, he's an adult. What can we do? Um, I, I lived in an environment that was very enabling, um, especially, you know, especially college students, you know, when they find out that, you know, on some levels you're close to being a competitive level eater. Um, so especially, I had a lot of college wrestlers uh, living in my building who they develop. I mean, as you know, even you know from bodybuilding and 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 that physical sports, like they develop an obsession with their weight and eating and things along those lines. So we, on a lot of levels, we connected with each other um, and were able to you know communicate about what they were going through, but then also have me kind of be a part of like eating sessions and things along those lines. And you know, there's a lot of enabling behavior. I didn't have a lot of I didn't have a lot of people close to me speak up, uh, which was was interesting. Um, I did have one good friend write me a letter once that basically said, "I can't watch you kill yourself anymore," and I took that. I took so much offense to it, and I got angry and I railed, you know, at the person and and wrote back a pretty savage letter back. And we've actually reconnected and and, and gotten you know built a friendship again um, years later. But um, you know, he took a stand and he said you know, I've, I've tried to talk to you about this. You don't want to listen. I, I can't, you know, be around and watch this happen. Um, and it didn't wake me up. You know, I, I, I was stubborn and more engulfed in the experience of, of my addiction than I was anything else, which I think happens. And it, it's, it's funny that you listen to people with like extreme drug addictions. And I feel I can relate so much to the experiences they've had in terms yeah. of the things they give up and the, the things they give up in their lives. I look at all the things, like I, I, I don't try to live in regret because, you know, I don't have the past anymore. It already happened. Um, but I think about opportunities that I missed and I passed up because either I knew I physically couldn't do something or I was afraid of what it would mean if I had to try to do physically do the work or something along those lines, specifically in relation to my career and the work I could be doing and things along those lines.
0: Is there anything sp- specifically that you thought you never would be able to do and you've been able to do since that you kind of had this aha moment.
1: I feel like there's a lot now. Um, honestly, like I, I feel like my relationship to food has really changed, um, which I know we haven't really, you know, dove, dove too deep into how that happened. But, um, I, I think just physically now the, the, the sheer weight taken off my shoulders now that I don't have to, um, plan everything and worry Mm -hmm. about whether I can or can't go somewhere. And I don't have to call ahead. I used to have to call in in advance to restaurants and places I'd be going with people when they said to go somewhere new, just to make sure there'd be somewhere I could sit or that I felt like I could fit in the space. Um, And now I feel like I can go anywhere. I mean, I recently went um, down to visit some friends in New York and we went um, to see a show in an older theater on Broadway. And I the seats were tiny, and I knew it was going to be you know like that kind of theater, and I had no problem at all. And like to go in and not have that anxiety is incredible. It's 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 an incredible experience to not live not live life with that constant fear of whether you can fit fit somewhere or fit into the world anymore is is very very different.
0: Yeah, it's it's just like so much time and energy is spent towards fixating on things that you -hmm. shouldn't have to fixate on per se, and Mm-hmm. When you are freed from that, it's like you see the, the world through a different lens and you just see all the opportunity that was at one point clouded from you. And that that is, that's empowering, man. Like you feel like you can do anything.
1: Oh, completely. I feel like, I, I feel like time is mine again. I, I, I feel like, because I not only did, you know, I spend all that time worrying or with anxiety before about the planning, like I was just saying, but I just spent, I was spending so much time eating. Like mm-hmm. there was, I just, I just had to devote so much time to eating that I don't do that anymore. And it creates opportunity. Like it creates the ability to have time to connect with people and to connect with resources that I want to connect with and make th- different things that I want to do happen. And it, it's amazing. You don't think about that because it's not just about what physically happens when you're, you know, when you're living with that kind of food obsession. But what happens to you know? What you build your life around it in a lot of ways, and when you take that away, yes, it's it's new and challenging to begin with. uh, But you get to this place where you realize that there's more to life than moving from meal to meal. Uh, There's things that happen in between meals that you need to pay attention to, and you never did before.
0: That that's huge, man. Like whenever I was kind of battling with my eating disorders um, after my first competition, there'd be instances where I would need to focus on what was at hand or something that was like much more deeper in importance, like family issues or, you know, something like that. And I'd be rather than thinking about that, I'd be fixating on my next meal or what I was going to eat. And it's just like, like I would catch myself and I'm like, wow, am I really this low of a person that I'm focusing on the food I'm about to eat in two hours, as opposed to this person that I care deeply about that needs my help right now? Completely. Oh, that makes complete and total sense. Like I think the it, it
1: life, became, especially when you're in that place of disordered eating, like life can become a, about the food that's in front of you right away and the food that's going to be in front of you next and nothing else. You, you can put mm-hmm. blinders on and someone can be standing in front of you and saying that they need you and you're not listening and you're yeah. not hearing it because instead in your head, you're thinking, but okay, but are we going to get like, there will be times where it's like, okay, we're going to this person's house to plan this event for someone or do something along those lines and we're going to get pizza. And I would spend the whole time thinking, okay, so when are we getting the pizza? Like, when is the pizza coming? When is the pizza happening? We said we were getting pizza. Okay, we're not getting pizza. What are we going to do if we're not getting pizza?
0: So what was the like the, the darkest point? What was the, like the turning point? When did things start to, to shift?
1: So I, 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 I lost all the weight in 2013 and gained it all back very rapidly. Um, like I said, went, and I literally changed nothing. Like by the time October of 2013 rolled around, my life was exactly back to the way it was before. I was a little more physical, uh, but I had started to kind of even drop those things that I had incorporated into my life out of it again. I stopped going to the gym, all of that. Um, and I just went right back to my older patterns of, of focusing on food and hiding in you know my home whenever I wasn't needed somewhere. And I had some things happen in my family um, where some responsibilities fell on my parents. Um, Specifically involving some young children, and you know, having a lot of discussions with my parents, they never said, you know, hey, we need you to help more, we need you around, and you're clearly not going to be around in a few years if you keep this up. But that's what went into my head immediately. I had Mm -hmm. this thought for the for the first time ever in my life, I realized that it wasn't just about me. That there were other people that needed me, and I I know some people hear me say something like that, and they think. Well, you should never lose weight for someone else, or you should never go on a fitness journey for someone else. And that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that for the first time ever, I realized that someone else needed me. And it meant something back to me. And it it meant to me that I wanted to be there. I wanted to be active. I wanted to be able to physically be there to help people. And I realized that on the the path I was on, that it probably within five years I wouldn't be I wouldn't be there anymore. Um I like I said, I, I'm not sure how I survived that weight that weight gain, nor how long uh, how I survived living that long, um, overweight. Um, so I started making changes. That was the um, winter, um, February of 2017, that I had decided that I needed to do something again and and got myself going. Um, it was my first when I introduced myself to keto. Um, I had been researching it for a while. But that was when I decided to really kind of jump in. Um, and I, I did well in 2017. And then Towards the end of 2017, I got very, very sick. Um, I was down a, around 100 pounds or so already, um, and I caught pneumonia. And uh, one of the other things about me, like being someone who was that heavy for that long, you avoid doctors. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I turned it into like almost a, a, a real phobia of, of going to the doctors to the point that I hadn't been for a, in 20 as of winter of 2017, the end of 2017. I hadn't been to a doctor since I had been a teenager um, for an actual physical. I had a couple of kind of emergency situations, but hadn't been to a regular doctor in decades. Um, so <clears throat> excuse me, I was getting sicker and sicker and thought I was getting better and then was getting sicker and finally called my dad and said, I need your help. I, I don't know what to do. And I feel like I'm going to die. Uh, we went. To a friend of his who's a general practitioner who said to, immediately after looking at me and test, tech, testing my blood oxygen um, that I needed to go to a hospital immediately, I went to the emergency room, was immediately put on oxygen and told that if I had waited three or four more hours, I would be dead. Um, and hmm. it was this wild experience because I here I was someone who avoided doctors and there I was for the next 16, 17 days. Under constant supervision of a doctor, I was in the hospital for 16 days um, with pneumonia. Um, they had to fight the infection, and once we fought the infection, it, it the infection was so bad that my lungs were inflamed. Um, they they describe it as the the tissue became hepatic, meaning your lungs that are supposed to be like these fluffy cotton like material turn more to the density of liver, of your liver um, become this wow. thick, unable to move oxygen. So I was still on oxygen. Um, I could barely, for that entire time, I could barely, I was bedridden that entire time. Um, You learn a lot about humility when you need the assistance of someone when you have to go to the bathroom um, Mm -hmm. or to, you know, wash yourself or all of those things. Um, When I left the hospital, um, I went and had to stay at my parents because my apartment was on the second floor of a building and I couldn't walk upstairs. Um, And I was bedridden for another month. and the, the things that were really interesting to me through that experience was I it solidified for me that I wanted to live, that I wanted to fight, and that I was gonna do what I needed to do to fight. And I I had or and like I had said, I had already started keto. I was I stayed keto in the hospital. Um, and I had a lot of experiences talking with doctors and nurses about the ketogenic diet and my experiences and you know, once they because the, the funny thing was, they look at me, and I, around that point, I was around 350 pounds. So they see a 350-pound man, and they assume that I've always been a 350-pound man. And I have to explain to them that, no, you know, a few months ago, I was 470 pounds, and I'm not anymore, and this is why. So this is what I need you to do for me food-wise. I spend a lot of time you know, not arguing, but speaking sternly with the nutritional staff of the hospital to say, no, because they would the very first day they had made a note that I wanted to I wanted to have a low carb meal, so they brought <laughs> me what they considered their low carb meal. The low carb meal at the hospital consisted of scrambled eggs, great, you know that's great. Um, there was bacon, great again. Uh, then there was regular oatmeal with brown sugar, a blueberry muffin the size of a of a softball, apple juice and orange juice that was the low carb meal and i was like i was you're supposed to bring me the low carb meal and the the attendant was like that is that that is the that's the diabetes meal and i'm like okay i need to talk to someone right away like if i'm going to be in here i cannot eat this food um and it's funny because the the morning chef in the kitchen at the hospital actually got to know that i was going to be there and started to get creative with omelets and things for me it was really kind of nice um but I also got used to, luckily, I have a fair amount, you know, a good amount of family and friends around that would go and bring me like fajitas without, you know, with not as many vegetables and and no tortillas like and mm-hmm. um, th- those kind of things like the other the stuff I needed. Uh, I was in the hospital for Christmas that year. It was not it was not great. I, we were supposed to be traveling as a family at Christmas. And instead, we were all gathered around me in the hospital. Um But my sister went and tracked down low carb ice cream for me to have something on Christmas. Um, You know, and things along those lines, like I have a very supportive family. Um, But that experience, you know, it came that was in December. I had started my keto journey in February of that year. But that was really one of the moments that solidified for me, you know, that I want to live and that I want to fight to be alive and that cheat days and cheat meals and all of those things um, aren't going to get me anywhere and aren't going to really kind of Support the the progress I want to make, Um, so it it helped clarify my vision even more for the for the journey I was undertaking.
0: Yeah, it becomes like a I don't know, man. Like you look at the psychology of why we eat the way we do, and just our emotional relationship with food in general. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people try. I mean, everybody's an individual, so you have to kind of look at this through an individualized lens. But there's so many people that are you know akin to like an alcoholic that has given yep. up drinking like the last thing you want to do is give that alcoholic just one beer you know you wouldn't mm-hmm. want to give someone that's with food addiction it's just one cheat meal then it becomes this slippery oh, yeah. slope that spirals out of control mm-hmm. for sure for sure
1: and and that's i uh, that's the thing i try to explain because i there are obviously there are people that can manage a cheat meal and can manage those things and i think that's fantastic for them i know for me that the, the three times that I that I failed hard at my weight loss were because I thought I could handle it cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know for me what happens. I know what that does for me. I know what it's like to put those foods in front of me. I know what I know what that means. And I know that it just it means for now they're n- they can't be a part of my life. And that's okay. And I get that all the time. Like, you're never going to eat cake again. And I'm like, right now, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen the next, you know, 40 years of my life. But I, I can say right now, my certainty is that I will not eat cake again, you know, and it's normal, you know, traditional form. Like that's just not, can't be in my plan because if I do, I would like, we talked about that obsession. I'd have it in my head. Okay. You know, in November I can eat cake, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to eat cake or it's, you know, like that there's, I love the meme of you're not a dog. So don't treat yourself with food. Um, yeah. It just cracks me up. And I know it pisses some people off because they're like, Because you know, I they hit their their weight goal or a gym goal, and they want to celebrate with food. And I, we are a culture that celebrates with food. And I've I've tried to just say to the people that know me that I can't celebrate with food anymore. Like I can have important meals, and I can make fantastic tasting food, and I can love my food, but I can't see food as a reward for something that I've done. Like I can't see food as something I earn because I don't earn my food. I eat my food because I need my food, and that's. Like a, the biggest mental part of this journey for me that I've taken the past just the past couple of months, um, really, since I started working with 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 John as my coach, like working on transforming that mental space for me, how I approach food and not seeing it as a reward system anymore. And that you earn bad food like it's like earning poison um, is how I, I, I have to look at it for myself now. And it when you can make that switch, it, it becomes kind of freeing from the experience like it really. You know, it was a, a big part of this journey for me is just, like you're saying, like, working on that relationship with food and how I relate to it and what I can knowing what I can and can't put in front of me and cheating for me just it's it's it is what it sounds like it's cheating myself out of opportunity and out of what I'm getting and every every I, I get a lot of messages like how do you stay motivated? How do you stay motivated? And, you know, we could talk about motivation and consistency and all of that. But the biggest thing I say to back to people is I know that I want to stay alive and that when I don't pay attention to what I eat, I'm getting myself closer to death. Um, it's just as my reality is that food is a weapon that I can heal myself with or something that I can damage myself with. And I'm better at damaging myself with it than I am at healing it in my experience. So I, I have to keep that in focus.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. Like I, you know, I, I don't have the eating disorders that I did at one point so i could in theory have you know a, a carbohydrate based cheat meal and that wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily spiral me out of control because i've i've reached this level of you know stability with my food but at the same time i've i've come to to love and appreciate the way i feel so good without that cheat meal it's like mm-hmm. why would i want to introduce it in the first place even though i could my life right. and it's it's like you know Positivity does not stem from this item of food that isn't really bringing me any much closer to my goals. So it's it's weird, man. People have this this odd relationship with food in which you're kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like it's not healthy to avoid it completely because then you're like just sacrificing in life, and it's not right. healthy to bring it in in moderation because then it it could be that catalyst. But it's like once you recognize what you input. You know, and how that makes you feel, it's like you don't crave that, you know, quote unquote reward anymore in the first place. So why even introduce it, even if you don't have to spiral out of control with it? It's not worthwhile.
1: I I really think like the the biggest thing for me has been because I've always even in my in my periods of gaining weight and losing weight have always been about these extremes and Mm -hmm. not about it's the moderation I needed wasn't moderation of food. Like I need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But the moderation I needed was to understand that my relationship with food doesn't have to be one way or the other, that it can be something that I'm still learning about and still is evolving and growing. And so does that mean that in two years, I might realize, you know, I can incorporate X, Y, and Z foods into my life and that can be okay. Maybe. Uh, But I know for right now, I have what I define and what works for me and what I feel good. Like I, I feel amazing, like the way I eat now and what I do. And like, I. I think that's the hard thing for some people that don't exist kind of in the keto sphere to understand is how can you possibly feel good working out fasted? And how can you feel good? Like right now I do one meal a day. How, what, how are you not going crazy at 10 o'clock at night? And how are you surviving that? Like there's, they don't have that frame of reference that I live in every day. And I know mm-hmm. that if I need to adjust, I can adjust. And if I need to spread my food out because I'm feeling like I'm on a day where I need to spread my food, I, I'll do that. I don't. I don't live everything as a, as a live and die philosophy anymore. Like I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't try to beat myself up over food. Like if I, 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 when I, like I said, I mentioned, I went to New York uh, a couple of weeks ago and I knew I wasn't going to be able to um, do a weigh and measure exactly as I was, as I've been doing at home, um, everything that I ate. So I was doing, you know, not necessarily an intuitive eating, but more of, you know, asking the restaurants what size their portions are and and kind of going from there. And I was able to make it work for a couple of days. And I came back a little bit lighter than I was when I left on the trip. And I I think it's about learning that that's okay when that happens, because at first it was really stressing me out. Like I was like, I'm not going to have like measuring spoons and a scale with me when I'm standing in Times square, what am I going to do? How can I survive? Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that it was okay to, to do a little more guesstimating and, you know it was, it was a 48 hour period and i was right back on it 2 days later whereas in the past i would allow that experience of of something being disrupted to disrupt me completely because i was always looking for excuses to to fall off the wagon before i i was always looking for reasons to not do good so then i could just blame it all and and say screw it and throw it all away uh, because i just i had that in the back of my head like i always whenever i had approached weight loss before 2017 I approached it with this mentality of that there was an end date. And when that end date came, I could either eat like a, the way I used to eat or do whatever I wanted to do and didn't think about making long lasting changes and affecting my mindset. And I think the difference now is I'm realizing that I'm trying to evolve as a person in terms of my relationship with food.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. I feel like there's, in order for this to really work, you have to have this almost like a, a contradiction between what you are okay with and not okay with. For instance, like I, I am accepting of the fact that, you know, in life, you're going to have instances where you can't track everything. You have to be able to just let loose a little bit and be more instinctive and intuitive. And I'm fully in support of that. And then I don't let that bother me. But at the same time, there are certain things that I have like a very, very hard line on, which is like carbohydrate based foods. Like I can have some trace carbs in a salad, but I'm never going to reach for the muffin, you know, like, having that contradiction of, you know, letting some things go and not losing sleep over it. And then other things being just like steadfast of this is the non-negotiable in my life. Oh, for sure. That makes complete sense. So, so talk to me about sure. um, your your strategy now, like with keto in general, how, mm-hmm. how did you even stumble upon it? What is what does a typical day of eating look like for you now? And what are some things that you notice changing specifically as it relates to keto and just your transformation as a whole? Sure.
1: Um, so I, I, I knew when I, when I did my last big period of weight loss, that, um, the men, the paleo low carb was something that, that seemed to work for me. Um, so I knew I wanted to approach low carb again. I had been doing research and I came across keto. I came across Jimmy Moore's keto clarity book, excuse me. Um, and I think the first, one of the first websites I discovered was ruled.me, which just had a ton of recipes at that point. Mm -hmm. And so, I decided that keto seemed like something I wanted to try. People, you know, there weren't a lot of people out there have it, you know, promoting their results or anything in, in early 2017. But I figured, why not? Let's dive into this. And I started with a really kind of lazy keto approach. I really, um, for almost the first year and a half that I've been keto, um, I was just keeping it under 20, 25 net grams of carbs a day and then eating fat and protein until I was satiated. I wasn't worrying about ratios or counting macros or counting calories. Um, and I, 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 was lucky in that I was heavy enough and eating enough that doing that intuitively caused enough of a reduction of, you know, caloric intake and, you know, started getting my body, you know, my hormones working a little bit better and things along those lines. So I was steadily losing weight, um, for a long time. And, um, I did start to develop struggles. I would say about a year in where, um, obviously as someone who has food issues, intuitive eating is not always the best idea, is my opinion, mm-hmm. what I've learned, um, that you know you can do it for a little while, but eventually the the desire to eat more food. So I was overeating on keto foods um, at various points and then having to restrict because I was overeating. And um, I learned that I have a, a pretty severe issue with nut butters that I don't portion control. Um, there's a specific brand, I won't call them out, but they make nut butters that tastes like amazing flavored dishes and desserts and things like that. And I many times would eat the entire jar after I just opened it. Um, and I would, you know, just be convincing myself, well, it's low carb, so it must be okay. Um, but eventually, I, I, I realized that it was the intuitive approach was not working. And I knew from every all the research I had done, and I was big on like following different accounts and following people like you and Danny Vega and a lot of different people that for some people that intuitive approach works, and for some people you need something more structured. So I started looking into all the different structured programs out there, and I realized that all of them were going to come down to having to track my macros and my calories, and I was terrified of that. Like I was worried that uh, how would I figure out how to do it? How do you? I tried to do some sample meal planning on my own, and just was not able to like even wrap my head around it. So I started opening myself to this idea of coaching, um, and for me. Uh, as a stubborn, you know, kind of pigheaded person who always thinks that I'm right. The idea of being coached by someone else was a bit scary. Um, mm-hmm. so when I started kind of looking around, I'm like, how can I find someone, um, that I feel is actually going to listen to me when I try to explain things and not say I'm just making excuses and kind of write me off and all of that. And at that time I had started to connect with someone on Instagram and, um, They happened to actually in the middle of my search, reach out and say, Hey, just want to let you know that I'm going to be coming on to, um, to deeper state keto as, as a coach. Um, it was John Shane, the keto road. Um, and he said, so he goes, I know you mentioned coaching. If it's something you want to talk about, you know, let's talk about it. And I said, okay, let's talk about it. And I immediately said to him, I just want you to know that I think I'm uncoachable. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able like, if there's anything I'm going to be able to get out of this, or if you're going to feel like you're getting anything out of it, coaching me, you know, but I'm willing to try. Um, and so then I got into, uh, that was uh, end of October last year. Um, got in. And at that point, my weight had stalled for a few months and I was actually starting to put weight back on. And so I knew mm-hmm. I needed to do something like my mindset. I had been trying to be very conscious of my mindset throughout the entire process. Um, I had been keto for over a year and a half at that point. Um, In general, and really trying to work on that relationship I had with food, and I knew the things that weren't good for me, and I knew I needed to get uh, things in line, and so I dove in and just basically had this kind of like come to God moment with myself where I said, "Okay, I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do, and I'm not going to question myself out of it. I'm going to, you know, ask the question. so I understand, but trust the process and get into trusting the process that I'm 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 agreeing to work with work with." work through with him. And Mm -hmm. just from there, um, so now from there, I moved, you know, I went from doing 25 net grams of carbs a day to doing, you know, the tried and true 10 grams total of carbs. Um, That was a big change for me, my fat ratio changed completely, um, in the beginning, because I was probably eating more protein than fat when I was eating intuitively. Um, so by obviously, my we started my fat ratio much higher than it had been before, and we eased into it all. But, um, so I've started, you know, and then getting into this idea of tracking and, and planning meals. And, um, I, I very much before I, I said to, to John that there's no way on earth I can eat the same thing more than one day in a row. Like, I can't do that. You know, mentally, that won't work for me. And now I purposefully will eat the same things for five days because. I, I find that ease of planning so much easier. Like, it's just you are not having to obsess about what's coming, you know, what's coming, it's already planned out for you. Um, so I'm finding new things out about myself through that process and through that tracking and and through learning more about how my body responds to different things. And I now learn, you know, I know more about what happens if my sodium and potassium and magnesium ratios are off. And like, I don't get my electrolytes in and what happens to my weight the next day. And um, if I don't drink enough water or if I drink too much water and, and all of that, like I'm learning to get very in tune with my body um, for the past couple of months. And, you know, we've now been working together. It's going on, I think, seven months. Um, and my weight loss picked right up again and, you know, has been going going great. Um, I, I just uh, last week, I crossed being down 300 pounds from my heaviest again, um, down 230 pounds, over 230 pounds keto. Um, and, um, down almost 50 pounds working with John since October. So there's been some pretty, yeah, some pretty significant milestones lately. And, um, I remember the first time that I was able to say that I was, I had lost 300 pounds. Like there's just something not, you know, to make a pun, but there's something huge about that. Um, and to cross that line again is something I thought I'd never do. And to do it and see it kind of blow by in some ways um, has just kind of been an incredible piece. And so I've, I've, I've dug my heels in, you know, I've got some set goals that I'm I'm trying to hit that I think are, you know, a little bit higher than I've reached before, but I I feel confident that I can get to them. And I feel like I'm in a place now where, and I, I know there, and I honestly, I know there are people that have known me for a long time that probably don't even believe me when I say these things, but I feel like my relationship with food has changed through this experience of going through keto. Um, I don't think I realized—I don't think I realized how much the the mental aspects of food obsession and the physical aspects of food obsession and addiction are linked. So that mm-hmm. by getting the physical side under control, I'm able to identify what the mental challenges are. Better, I'm able to see. I know now the difference between physical hunger and head hunger, and that as someone who has never allowed the two to be something different is an amazing experience because I can say, no, your body's not hungry. You just want to eat because it's the time of day that you used to eat or you're going somewhere where you like, when I go to the movies, I still instinctively think, okay, I need popcorn and three bags of candy. Like that's the immediate instinct that comes into my head. It's got nothing to do with actually needing a jumbo popcorn for myself with three bags of candy. It's got to do with the fact that that's what I always did. You know, when I drive by, you know, when I see when I'm in my office and people drop off donuts and I see donuts, I think I want a donut. But then I stop for a second. I think, how are you going to feel if you eat that donut? I mean, I had an experience uh, a couple months ago where I accidentally um, I ate something at a restaurant that they told me there was no flour. Um, it was their chicken wings that they said were roasted with no flour. And they clearly had flour on them because I woke up the next day and my joints hurt and my body felt swollen. And I felt like I was hung over from drinking and I hadn't touched mm-hmm. a drop of alcohol. And I was, I called the kitchen of that restaurant and I said, Hey, I was there last night and I had this dish, you know, was there flour? And they were like, Oh yeah, we, 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 we dredged the wings before we cooked them. And I'm like, okay, mm. just so you know, your, waiting, your servers are telling people that there isn't flour on those wings. And they're like, Oh, well, there isn't batter. And that's probably what they got confused about. I'm like, Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> and I mean, luckily I didn't have a I don't have like a severe allergy, but I know that then I dealt for two days I felt with the effects of that indis- that one indiscretion. So I know what would happen if I were to indulge in those foods that I used to live on all the time. I know I'd go right back to that place of not feeling good. So I'm I'm able to to put the brakes on and and make some different choices and deal with it a little bit better and that you see also like instagram is big on slogans and people you know memes Mm -hmm. and all of that and i've seen a lot of people lately talking about like embracing the suck and embracing pain and and that sort of thing and i i think that comes into play sometimes like there are going to be moments where i'm not happy because i'm not eating and what i've just had to realize is that that's okay it doesn't mean that I'm dying. It doesn't mean that something bad is happening to me. It just means in that moment I'm being irrational and I'm letting food get me upset. So, can I control that? What do I need to let go of? Um, I very much come around. Like one of the things that also came out of my hospitalization experience was a deep kind of love and, and interest in Stoic philosophy and, and reading about Stoicism and trying to practice it as much as possible in my daily life. And for me, like I go back to that place all the time. Like, what can I control? What can I not control? Okay, mm-hmm. so so let go of why are you giving energy to these things that you have no control over? Let them go. You know, don't worry about food. Don't worry about X, Y, and Z. You eat, and that like you you talked about like the food obsession when you were dealing with your eating disorders after your competition. Like I, I I think for me like when we have been cutting my calories down as as part of the cut with John, um, and I started doing one meal a day. Initially, I was doing it at dinner time when I got home from work. And I realized I was spending my whole day still obsessing about what I was going to have for dinner. And now I do it as more of um, a lunchtime, a late morning, a, somewhere between 11 and noon. And I'm free for the rest of the day. And I don't worry about food. And I don't think about food, really. Like, I don't have those moments of, of obsession anymore. Like, it's it's a freeing thing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. It all it all comes back to mindset. Of course, there's like the the metabolic and the hormonal and the you know, environmental aspect that comes to the food you're eating and how it's affecting your body, but so much of the relationship with food and kind of your outlook and approach towards it in its entirety is all, all mindset related. And Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, embracing the suck goes, I'm fully behind that. And I I love that philosophy because I mean, there's so many things I look back at all the, you know, the successes in my life where I've been proud of what I've achieved. And it's all, it's all been a result of doing something that in the moments I felt was incredibly difficult and challenging and almost outside of my reach. And then I would push through and then I would, you know, reach this new found level that I hadn't yet been to before. But at the same time, the, the stoic philosophy of that suck is like, you can choose, you have the power to choose how much you make that suck. Like if you approach it from a standpoint of it being a negative thing, then it's going to be miserable the whole way through but if you change the way you look at it in its entirety it becomes something that you're excited about something that's a, that's a positive and then that makes it much more easy to, to to sustain because it's not this looming obstacle in your life exactly exactly it's about we the you have the power
1: to reframe how you perceive things and reframe how you want to experience them and it doesn't have to be about this is the most awful thing in the world happening to me it can be about what is the opportunity that's coming because I'm doing this? And what are, what am I getting out of this? And, you know, what, just even enjoying, like, I, I, it's, it sounds again, I know, I I think to me, at least it sounds crazy, but like, there are moments where I can just, I can just enjoy being hungry. You know, I can Mm -hmm. enjoy, you know, that I don't have to jump because food says eat me. Like, you know, it's not about, it's, it's not about restriction anymore to me. Like, I don't feel like I lead this. I think other people from the outside think I'm leading a very restricted life because they all like to say, oh, but you can't do this or you can't do that or you can't do this. And for me, it's more about I don't want to do that. I don't want to do those things. I I enjoy not doing them. I'm I'm enjoying the experiences I'm having. I'm enjoying the way that I eat. I'm enjoying the way that I feel. Like, don't, don't try to frame this as something that is a negative for me because none of these experiences are negative for me now. Like they're all about making me a stronger person and about making me someone who can see that his goals are in reach. Like I, like I, it's been a long time since I can say, you know, I'm less than, I'm less than 40 pounds away from where I would like to be goal weight wise. And I'm starting to work on putting a plan in place for what happens then instead of just allowing the ride to happen. Like, I feel like, I, I'm able to make take control of the things in my life that i can control and it's it's a great experience and I wasn't free to do that until I started keto because keto allowed me to kind of take the things the the screaming physical side of things that had been dominating me and 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 silence it to the to the extent that it's manageable and, and approachable
0: there's a huge difference between restricting things in life and being enslaved by those things in life and i feel like oftentimes the people that assume we're restricting things that don't really matter anyways
1: Mm -hmm. they're often
0: slaves to those things but when you break free of that you find that freedom it's like you your whole perspective on what matters and what deserves your attention totally shifts and when you're no longer a slave to the food that you're eating and you view it instead as fuel for mm-hmm. the important things in your life that truly do matter, it makes it that much more easy to, to live a satisfying, fulfilling, healthy life and, and be excited about it. Oh, completely, completely. And and the funny thing is you, when you, when you just
1: talked about not being a slave to food and, and seeing food as fuel, um, go back to October when, when John and I were first talking and, He said one of his goals for me was to have me see food as fuel and not as as fun. Um, And I laughed. I laughed at him like I laughed and I and I literally I I literally on the phone remember saying to him, good luck with that. Good luck with making that happen. And then I found myself just yesterday talking to someone in a, a DM on Instagram and saying those words to someone else you know, and saying, you know, I, this is how I view food now. And I want you to be able to do this too. And I'm like, and I had this moment where I literally stepped away from the phone. It was like, oh my God, like I didn't really even think that I had gotten to that place. And now it was just a part of the mindset that I had. Like it was something that I could say, okay, you know what? I'm not afraid to say that I, I I do see, you know, the importance of every bit of food I'm putting into my body because of what it allows me to do, not just because of how it makes me feel, you know, emotionally mm-hmm. feel. And so then I have to laugh. And at some point I have to get get on the phone with John and tell him that he was right. But I don't like doing that, which I'm sure you can, <laughs> you, I'm sure you can understand that. Um, so I'll make him wait a little bit. I'm sure he's going to hear this uh, before everyone else. And um, he'll enjoy hearing me say that he was right about something.
0: Um, You've become... You've become a illustration of what's possible and how, you know, anybody that's going through something similar as what you've gone through can, can find hope and that, that there is a, a better alternative to what they're currently doing. And I mean, to see you go from one end of the spectrum to the other and then document that whole journey and put it out on social media and then be able to, you know, put yourself out there and tell people that it is possible and they can do it and they got to believe in themselves and give them a reason to live for tomorrow. I mean that's that's awesome man
1: thank you and, and and really that's it's i try to like in like if you follow my instagram like or if anyone out there wants to like i try to give you know the highs and the lows and the real like and i don't say good and bad moments anymore because i feel like every moment that i'm alive is a good moment uh but i mm-hmm. I, I give the realness out there to people of what i'm really going through like there are realities like we were talking about the physicality of being 540 pounds there are physical realities of what your body is like after you've lost 300 pounds. Like I dealt with an issue this week because of the loose skin on my body in terms of dealing with an injury because of it. I, I have, um, I, 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 I've I've actually been kind of building a post about this, but I have um, the bone of my sternum has been warped by the fat that was on my body. So, the the tip of my sternum instead of going inward like a normal person points outward and for the longest time i thought i had some kind of hernia there that i was worried about and when i was in the mm-hmm. hospital i was able to talk to a doctor about it and the doctor's like that's just your bone he's like you were so fat that it changed the way your bones grew on your body so wow. i have that's almost great. this this little like unicorn nub on my chest that when i lay down you can you could very much see it um and it's bone and the funny thing is like i've I've recently talked to one or two other guys that have lost a similar amount of weight and that one of them said wa- randomly so so do you have that bone issue on your chest and i was like yes i do like no one has ever talked to me about this before and it's it's wild to connect with someone else who understands it but there's lasting physical effects that like will be with my body forever regardless of what happens um so it's, it's just really kind of like the, the journey to me and sharing it with people so they know that it's okay, though, that you're dealing with those things. And it's okay that, you know, and there's a lot of people now that like to talk about, you know, it's better to have the loose skin than to be morbidly obese. And it truly is. And yes, there can be headaches from loose skin issues, but like nothing that compares to not being able to stand and not be able to walk. And not feeling like you can breathe when you're sleeping and not wondering if you're going to wake. I used to wake up, wonder if I was going to wake up in the morning when I would go to bed at night. And I even one of the, the low points for me when I was figuring out that I wanted to live was I had written a letter to my family that I that I kept by my bed, that if I were to die when I was sleeping, would tell them that I was a happy person. Because I didn't want them That's to feel crazy. bad. Like. And destroying that letter was a, a moment of empowerment to me because I was like, no, I don't want my body to be found in the morning anymore, you know, in an apartment filled with this awful food. Like, I don't want that to be my existence. You know, I don't want to be, you know, a story that people tell uh, because of that. Like, I, I want to I, I want to have an existence that is just like, you know, everyone else's. and And, and the more normal my life seems now, the more extraordinary it is to me. Uh, which is like there's a lot of things I'm experiencing for the first time now because I can do them. Like I haven't gone camping since I was a kid, um, and I really <laughs> want to go camping again. And my sister and her boyfriend love camping, so I've I've reached out to them recently and said, when you guys go camping this year, I want to go camping. You know, I and they're like, well, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know where we would do it. I don't know what we would do. I don't know what I would need as an adult to go camping, but I want to do it. Um, and so I I think I the, you know, the doors I'm opening for myself now because I don't have to, like before whenever I was be asked to do something in the outdoors my biggest thought was will there be somewhere for me to sit, and if I sit down too low to the ground will I be able to get up, like I don't have to worry about that anymore and that's a, an amazing feeling it's an amazing feeling for sure.
0: It's easy like if you're you know looking at like the the protruding bone in your sternum or your loose skin it's it's easy to beat yourself up but at the same time like those are battle scars for what all you've mm-hmm. gone through if you look at where you've been and how far you've come from that and like the the brightness of your future now that you've changed who you are it's like those are nothing nothing to hold your head down about I mean those are things I'm proud of completely completely
1: and it's it's I mean I I the other day at the gym I was taking my hoodie off and my shirt came up and the guy on the bench next to me turns as I'm doing this so of course he can see everything loose and jiggling um and he just immediately says, how much weight have you lost? Like, and launched right into this conversation based on that. And it wasn't like a place, you know, he wasn't, you know, there was no disgust coming from people around me or anything. There was more fascination and more like, wow, you've clearly done a lot. Like, what have you done? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and those discussions are really interesting. I had, I, at night, I host trivia at a couple of, of pubs, um, a couple of nights a week. And I've got uh, someone who was actually wants to propose to his girlfriend, who he met at trivia. A couple years ago, and they haven't come for a while because they moved far away. It's been two years since they came to trivia, and he was there this past week, and he had no idea who I was. He thought I was a new host at first. He was worried that I wasn't there anymore because he wanted to make sure that I was involved with the proposal. Um, So, like, I there's a lot of a lot of new experiences that I'm able to have. You know, like people when I see myself every day, I don't necessarily see those changes all the time. But when I see myself through other people's eyes, or when I see myself like. I love Transformation Tuesday and Face to Face Friday. I love those on on the internet because they give you a chance to reflect on where you've been, and it's not about beating yourself up for where you were, but it's about being able to kind of put your journey into perspective and really be able to say, "Wow, there there is some change happening there, and I can see it. I can see that it's actually happening, and
0: you know, something to feel good about." I got one more question for you, ma'am. Sure, sure. With that being the case, with you having made such a change. What are you excited about now? Like, because before in the past you might have been excited about the next meal. What yep. is it like if you look at your life? You look at tomorrow. You look at the next ten years. What is it that that gets you up in the morning? Mm, that's a really good question.
1: Um, one, I I think answering that question is a big part of it. Like trying to figure out what what I want the next steps for my life to be. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I'm excited because I've I've always approached the 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 quote unquote, end of a weight loss journey before with fear. And now I see it as my life is just going to continue. So planning what comes next, I think is really exciting. Like, when I'm not as hardcore trying to lose weight, what am I going to be doing? And, you know, I know that I want to work on strength building and and taking my body through something different that way. And so how does that work? And so now I'm trying to learn more about that and get into getting ready to do something along those lines. Um, I'm super excited to stay connected to people in the keto community. Um, And to kind of build my presence there. Uh, I really would love to help people someday. I don't feel like I'm going to, I I, I get people all the time that DM me and ask me to be their coach and to help them. And I do my best to kind of direct people to resources. I I feel like right now I'm still so focused on what I need to do and and that fear of what happens if I screw up as I'm approaching the end again um, Mm -hmm. that I'm not ready to do that yet. But it is something I would love to do. I feel like I've learned a lot in my life. And so, I am building, I've been saying this for a while, but I I am getting ready um, to release my podcast that I've been working on um, that is about the experience of being a big guy specifically um, and what it means to exist as a big guy in this world and go on a weight loss journey and through whatever means. And I've got some different people lined up to talk to you that have been very big and not so big. And, you know, it's um, I'm, I'm excited to start exploring that for people a little bit. I think there's so much out there kind of in the fitness sphere that addresses issues um, for women of all sizes and for men that are very fit. Um, And I think sometimes we lose the experiences of the men whose journeys take a little bit longer. Um, Not that they're ignored Mm -hmm. or anything along those lines, but I just don't think there's a lot of voices out there talking about it. Um, So I want to give voice to the, you know, the bigger guys that are out there that might not be where they they want to be yet in their journey, but still want to talk about the experiences they're having because I think every time I talk about what it was like to be 480 pounds, to be 470 pounds, to be 540 pounds, people say, "Oh my goodness, I didn't know that life was like that for you then." And I I want to kind of open those doors a little bit so it also becomes easier for people to to look for help when they need help and that they're not alone. They're not the only one that's dealing with those issues. And like so, when I talk to I talk to a ton of guys now about you know, relationship issues that we deal with because of our size and, and physical issues and and hygiene and all of those things. Like there's some very specific things and some very specific shames. I think that men hold because of that, that we, we don't talk about a lot. And so I want to see if there, I can use, you know, the, the platform that I'm building for myself as a, a way to give a voice there. Um, I, I, that's something that I have a little bit of a drive about.
0: That's awesome, man. I think having some sense of you know community and camaraderie alongside people that can relate to where you've been and where you're going is huge and that that pays itself so much towards you know making the journey of where you want to go and reaching that goal that much more sustainable and much much, much bigger than just yourself and when you know mm-hmm. you're impacting a larger you know party than just you it makes it something worth fighting for so i think that's Completely. an amazing idea i totally support that cool Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, where where can uh, people go to find out you and follow you on social, man?
1: Sure. Well, well right now, really, uh, my main platform is uh, Instagram. I'm Gormy Goes Keto. G O R M Y underscore goes underscore keto. Uh, I'm also on. Uh, I've start. I've joined Twitter. I used to be on Twitter in different quote unquote identities years ago, um, but I'm getting back into the Twitter the Twitter sphere a little bit um, at Gormy Goes Keto as well. Um, so I think really in my life is Instagram. Um, if Instagram were to go away tomorrow, I'm not sure what would happen. Um, but I, I think I've, I've tried to get out into like the keto sphere on Facebook. And I just find that like the keto Facebook groups, people are trying to eat, eat each other alive. Like it's like a shark's den. Uh, if a person asks a mm-hmm. question about something, you know, is this keto or that not keto they get screamed at all the time. And, So literally, I I get messages all the time from people like, have you been to this group on Facebook? They don't seem nice. And I'm like, stay on Instagram. Connect with people on Instagram. Um, Instagram, you know, and yeah, there's people on Instagram like the keto police exist. We know they exist. You know, so if you accidentally post something that someone's like, that's not keto alert, the alert, the forces, you're going to have some people come down on you sometimes. But I find like it's more rare. And I, I think people tend yeah. to more tend, on, on Instagram. I just feel like there's more of a celebration about people's experiences. And so I love connecting with people. I respond to all of my DMs. Um, I love, you know, being able to follow people back. I've reached the limit of, of people that I can follow back on Instagram. So I'm having to go through and cull a lot of like accounts that I probably followed in the beginning that are just like products that I don't even use anymore and things like that. So, you know, I try to make space for people. Um, it makes me sad when I can't. Um, but I I just think there's such a thriving, you know, community there in that space that I, you know, I, there's, there's so much that to be gotten out of it. And I love how excited everyone is about KetoCon coming up at the end of June and how many of us are going to be there and be able to finally meet face to face and, you know, put connections to these people you've been DMing with for months and years and all of that. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty awesome. So you, you go in there, I take it. I definitely am going to KetoCon. I bought my ticket last year when they put them on sale right at the end of the last KetoCon. I was like, that's my goal. I got to go to KetoCon. Like, that's one of my goals, one of my bucket list goals for this year. So I'm really I'm really excited for that. I'm more excited. I mean, I guess I'm not more excited. I'm more excited to meet everyone there. But I'm also very excited that for the very first time ever, because I can fit into one plane seat. I can take an airline that does a direct flight to Austin. um, I'm going to be able to have a very different traveling experience than... Used to be when I had to have two seats and seat belt extenders and deal with all of that, and being able to just board the plane without any any fanfare will be will be a nice experience. I'm I'm very much excited for that in June.
0: That's awesome, man. I'm I'm incredibly proud of you, man. I'm excited to meet you in person, and I don't know I, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story because I feel like it it makes a huge impact on the people that can relate and people that can't relate. Like just hearing it in general and and knowing what you've been through and gone through and are going through and plan to do going forward man it's it's motivating thank you
1: i i i appreciate this opportunity it's funny i was i was telling crystal yesterday um on a dm how much uh, how excited i was um for us to be able to talk today like getting to connect with you here um is definitely on one of my my one of my bucket list items for 2019
0: um so i, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today i really i really do absolutely man well i'm excited to meet you in person at KetoCon and, and shoot brother if you ever find yourself in arkansas hit me up and we'll go camping or something definitely that'd be awesome that'd be awesome (laughs) all right take it easy mike